0: joy and love the psalmist says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name and now we'll sing uh, those words those very words in hymn nine we'll sing them together and as we sing let's stand
1: Please join with me now in our litany of invitation and confession. We enter this sanctuary bringing our sins and our successes, our faith, and our lack of faith. We enter this sanctuary troubled by the harshness in our world. Let us worship the Lord who heals and helps.
2: Sisters and brothers.
1: God hears us and we are forgiven. God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us live like those who have been changed by love.
0: Welcome to the Worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. So delighted to be worshiping with you this morning. James Lampkin, senior pastor, is in Arcadia, Louisiana, leading a Bible study for the past few days. He'll be coming back later today, so prayers for a safe return for him. This morning, we'll be hearing uh, scriptures from Isaiah and 1 Corinthians, and then from the Gospel passage, which I'll be preaching from, the Gospel of John, where Jesus asks John's disciples, what are you looking for? That'll be a question I'll ask you to ask of yourselves. What are you looking for this morning? May that be a theme that leads us to Jesus. Through hymns, through spoken word, and through what God has for you in your own hearts, may we find Jesus. As is our tradition, we'll sing at the end of our service, and that's printed as an insert in your order of worship, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which became so popular during the early part of the 20th century as uh, a song that speaks of both the tribulation and toil, and also the hope and promise for the civil rights movement in the United States. Uh, First sung in 1900 at a segregated school in Jacksonville, Florida, by a group of 500 children celebrating the anniversary of the birth of President Lincoln and sung this morning in Northside Drive Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. May we remember King's legacy, and may it point to Christ. Let's continue our worship.
1: Our first lesson this morning is uh, a reading from the book of Isaiah. The Lord promises light and salvation to all the earth. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity, yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward with my God. And now, the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the redeemer of Israel and his holy one to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Here ends the first lesson. And now, will you pray with me? O Lord, at this time of prayer, we pause. For just these moments, we will stop together in peace to pray to you, the God of love, bringing our hearts and minds and lives before you. For we know that you, O God, are always here to hear us when we call, to meet us when we come, and to be with us right where we are. We are so thankful for your steadfast love for each one of us, O God, your children. On this day and in this space of prayer, we offer our prayers of thanksgiving for health, homes, food, safety, family, faith, community, and peace. Yet as we bring our prayers of thanksgiving, Lord, we know that all around us, if we may but only pause to see it, In each of our lives, so many of your children offer not the same prayers. Some of your children, O God, cannot rejoice in the blessings of health, for this week has been one full of sickness, injury, recovery, and hardship. We offer to you now, O Lord, our prayers for these your children, in need of your healing and your love. Many of your children all over the world cannot rejoice in a safe and peaceful home, community and faith community in Iraq, Iran, India, Lebanon, and more, where security, freedom, and safety seem elusive due to violence, upheaval, and injustice. We offer to you now, O Lord, our prayers for these your children in need of holy justice, of your righteousness to prevail in the hearts of their leaders, and for your peace to reign. For your children and your creation in Australia that cannot offer thanksgiving for a safe environment, because of the devastation wrought by wildfires, wildfires, flash floods, and climate change, we offer to you our prayers for continued rains, for cooler temperatures, and for continued strength and perseverance for those who battle the fires and care for the animals and creation that have all been so damaged and broken. Lord, in your great mercy, hear our prayers. And as we mark a day tomorrow celebrating your child, a man who is ruled by justice your love and your peace, O Lord, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., we pray to you that we may heed the example of his life, that call you placed upon his heart in all of our lives. We are so thankful for his leadership and his life's testimony in the world's history. In the spirit of the movement for civil rights and justice for all, led for Dr. King and others, we ask you to help us to remember that it was your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who first testified all of your children upon the mountainside, placing a call upon every disciple's heart for peace, proclaiming, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. May we be called your children, God, by the peace that we make here in your world today and forevermore. And now, let us lift our voices together as God's children, boldly praying the prayer our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, saying, Amen.
3: The Lord promises light and salvation to all the earth. God provides grace and peace and spiritual gifts to the church in Corinth a reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Here ends the second lesson.
1: I'd like to invite all the children to come forward for our time together. We're gonna to gather right here at the front, and Pastor Daniel has the offering plate, if you've got your offering. If you just drop it right in. All right, everybody, let's sit. Hi, good morning. So this morning, um, I brought flat Jesus back to be with us, and he's, he's got something that he wants to tell us. What does his, um, what does, he's got a little speech bubble like in a cartoon. What does he say, Mary Frances? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So he says, you make the peace, and you will be called a child of God. That's what Jesus said. Right there. Who wants to hold flat Jesus? Anybody? Joseph? Oh, pass it to Joseph. He's going to, you guys can pass him around. So that, what Jesus said, I wanted to talk to you about that today because I've been thinking about that with our day that's coming tomorrow. See, so yesterday was Dr. King's birthday, and tomorrow is... Uh, our holiday where you're not at school right you're off from school but it's not a day off it's day on to remember the memory and life and all the work of Dr. King so I wanted to talk a little bit about that what Jesus said because you know Dr. King was a great leader in the civil rights movement but did you know that he started I think that started growing in his heart God put that in his heart when he was a little boy I have a book that has some really cool pictures. See, when he was a boy, he went to church, and his dad was a preacher. And he listened to a lot of those words that Jesus said, and a lot of words that his dad said. And I think that he heard those, and he put them in his heart. And maybe, just maybe, they started to grow. Because when he got older, he became a preacher too. And a lot of things that he said, he listened about those words that Jesus said. That day on the mountain, Jesus said that. But he said a lot of other things, too, in that little sermon on the mountain. See, he gave a sermon, too, Jesus did. And I think Dr. King listened, and he gave many sermons. You can see him here with all the stained-glass windows behind him. We have some stained-glass windows at our church, too, right? And, you know, Dr. King, he did a lot of work in the civil rights movement, and that was so that there would be peace and equality for people of all races. So no matter what skin color you wear, he wanted, and a lot of other people wanted, there to be equality and justice and freedom and love for everyone, no matter what you looked like on the outside. Because I think Dr. King realized that it's not so much what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. That's kind of what Jesus said. He said, you'll be blessed. You'll be called children of God if you make peace. And Dr. King did that. He made peace, and he made a way for the Civil Rights Movement to come, him and a lot of other people that he worked with. And when he did that, it was in a very peaceful way. He was always peaceful, but the other people that he talked to about what he thought were not always peaceful. And it was very difficult, I think, to for him to be peaceful even though people around him did not like his ideas and they became violent sometimes. But no matter what they did, Dr. King was always peaceful. And you know, he even earned a Nobel Peace Prize for all of his work that he did with the Civil Rights Movement. And so I think the example that he sets for us where we think about peace and freedom for everyone, we can do that too. Leah colored this sheet yesterday and it says I am a peacemaker and it has Jesus's words down here and then it's got peace spelled out and next to each letter it's got a word so P it says pray so we can pray for others we can pray about peace we can pray for ourselves and we can pray in a lot of different ways we can encourage each other when things get hard when things don't go our way Maybe we want to be peacemakers, but maybe someone doesn't want to make peace with us. We can encourage each other if we go through tough times. We can act. We can take actions that are peaceful. If someone is upset with us, we don't have to get upset back. We can be peaceful to them. We can care. Because lots of times if someone is upset with you, it just means that maybe they're not having a great day. But if you care a little about them, they probably won't be so upset. And they'll see that you love them in equality. We can work for everyone to be equal. No matter who you are, no matter if you're a boy or a girl, no matter what kind of skin you have, everyone is equal and everyone is a child of God, made in God's own image. So to be equal is very important. And that's something that we all can remember and walk in Jesus' footsteps and Dr. King's footsteps and echo these things. So I gave you all, I have a coloring sheet for all of you. It's got really cool patterns on it. So if you want to take one home and color it, you can. All right, let's have a prayer. Abigail, you want one? You want one, Joseph, Mary Frances? Leah, Aaron? Okay, I have some coloring sheets for you big kids if you want one. (laughs) Not too many takers up here. Let's have a prayer. Dear God, thank you for peace and justice and freedom and love. Help us to be your peacemakers, to be your hands and feet, and to love all of your children and to help make peace in everywhere we go. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go. Thank you.
0: John the Baptist declares Jesus to be the Lamb of God, and disciples follow him. A reading from the Gospel according to John. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Last year, a buddy of mine invited me to go on kind of a civil rights road trip. And we decided to go to Montgomery, Alabama. And there, for the first time, I toured the state capitol where there are no statues of Dr. King. There's a big one of Jefferson Davis, though. There's a plaque on the ground by the front entrance which commemorates the spot where Jefferson Davis stood to be inaugurated as president of the Confederate States of America on February 18, 1861. We also toured the first so-called Confederate White House, which is a creepy time capsule of a not-so-distant white supremacist past. And then after we were finished with that, we went inside Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s first church, where he was called as pastor, Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, And that was an amazing time. They showed us Dr. King's original office, which is in the lower levels of the church. From his office window, King had a clear line of sight to the governor of Alabama, George Wallace. Wallace was looking down on King, and King was looking back up at Wallace at the intersection of politics and power and faith of white supremacy and a movement for justice. And there, in the entrance to the church, they have the original pulpit where King, who in 1965, addressed the marchers from Selma to Montgomery, who were marching for voting rights and equal justice. Governor George Wallace wouldn't let King stand on the steps of the Capitol. So they took that pulpit and they put it on a trailer, and they took it a few hundred yards from the church to the very front of the steps of the Capitol instead. And King spoke there and addressed the marchers. Some of the prophetic words that King wrote in his life, excerpted from his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, are printed in your order of worship as the preparation. I love that phrase you've heard often, I'm sure, where King says, we are all caught up in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied into a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And I imagine that back then, like now, it, it must have seemed like there were two Americas, and the opportunities for each to actually hear each other were few and far between. What do you think all those gathered to hear King speak were looking for? Many, no doubt, were inspired by the movement, hoping for racial justice. However, many were opposed to desegregation and equal rights, and for those people who were in the presence of a great movement of, e- of faith for equality, they missed the moment entirely. Dr. Keene and the other civil rights leaders walked right in front of them, and they couldn't see it. What were they le- looking for, you think? perhaps to preserve their their cultural heritage, their grip on power, their way of life. And I believe that so many in Jesus' time came in touch with Jesus and his disciples and yet completely missed seeing Jesus. They were looking for something else entirely. That is how our our gospel passage begins, with with an odd, itinerant, camel-herring, Camel wearing, and Camel Herring, if you'll let me coin a phrase, thank you, Kathy, named John. Jesus walked right in front of him one day, and, and John yelled out, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I imagine only a very few were even looking for the Lamb of God, perhaps only a very few were even looking for forgiveness for the whole world. Many people saw and heard Jesus, but very few knew who he was. I'm sure they would have been downright confused by John saying, Here is the Lamb of God. What did he mean? They wonder. I bet if you were there, you would see the passion on John's face. You'd hear the excitement in his voice. You'd, you'd feel perhaps your heart begin to beat faster as he pointed at Jesus Whoever this Lamb of God guy is, he must be somebody pretty special. You'd know that just by watching John. John knew he was in the presence of the one who came to forgive and to heal and to redeem. And there was the time before Jesus showed up and the time after. All time could be divided up in that way. And call him what you will, Lamb of God, Word, Light, Son of Man, All of these were just images, bits of fragmented language, ideas meant to suggest a reality far deeper than any word could hope to touch. Because before all of our words about Jesus, there was the word. Before the church had worked out its Christology, before it had fought about the language of the Nicene Creed and excommunicated folks over one letter, before it had divided up into camps based on correct belief and heresy, before it had started fighting and kicking out and categorizing and getting so big that it had to have a conference to decide that it would split, well, before any of that, there was the Word. That's what John tells us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it is here in the Gospel of John that we get, at least according to John, the first recorded words of Jesus. I mean, think about it, 13.8 billion years of an expanding universe, of of countless solar systems forming, of giant stars exploding and collapsing in on themselves, forming black holes, unimaginable energy and cosmic drama, and the first words that the word says, do you remember them? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? It's right there in the Bible, John 1, 38. I'm not making it up. This is a pretty remarkable thing for Jesus to say. The word of God wants to know what a couple of random people are looking for. That tells me that Jesus cared deeply about the plight of human beings. God is not some detached clockmaker Jefferson's deist God sitting up there in heaven ignoring us down here, God wants to know what we're looking for. And the idea of the first words spoken by a power beyond us got me thinking about how differently humans have gone about communicating with powers beyond us. I mean, for decades now, folks have been searching for signs of extraterrestrial life. There are countless dollars spent books written, movies produced on the subject. It dominates our cultural consciousness. Over 40 years ago, when the Voyager spacecraft was launched to explore Saturn and Jupiter, there were a bunch of scientists led by Carl Sagan, and they wanted to include something for aliens to discover if by chance they found the Voyager. And they settled on a record full of sounds. It was a 12-inch gold-plated copper disc, and I guess they figured if aliens found it, they'd they'd have a record player. (laughs) What's on the record? Good question. According to NASA, it contains the spoken greetings beginning with Akkadian, which was spoken in Sumer about 6,000 years ago, and ending with Wu, a modern Chinese dialect. Following the section on the sounds of Earth, there is an eclectic 90-minute selection of music, including both Eastern and Western classics and a variety of ethnic music. The music includes Bach and Chuck Berry. We've spent our lives looking for aliens, and our best thinking was that if they find us, we want them to listen to Chuck Berry. When the word came to dwell among us, how very different were Jesus' first words in the Gospel of John. Instead of saying, hey, check out all the cool stuff I've done and said, he asked a question, what are you looking for? Jesus' words are not centered on himself, they are centered on the human being. The word, it turns out, is very interested in you and me because it was love that compelled the word to even become flesh in the beginning love that turned God's heart toward creation, love that took Jesus to the cross. It was love that motivated Jesus' question because if he didn't care about Jesus, John's disciples or you or me, he never would have asked, what are you looking for? And that is actually a very tough question to answer if you think about it. I mean, have you ever asked yourself that? What are you looking for? self. I'm talking about that deepest part of your spiritual self, not the part that is shopping for groceries in Publix, the part of us that many of us have barely examined, the part that leapt in John's disciples when they were in the presence of the Lamb of God, the part that knew instinctively that it was time to leave John and follow Jesus, the part that is beyond language, beyond rational comprehension, the part that we call love, or what we might point to soundlessly where our heart lies beating in our ribcage. What a tough question. What are you looking for? Many scholars translate it as, what do you want? How many of us have the courage and the insight to answer that truthfully? I've been reading a book by the Christian author, Marilyn McIntyre. She has a marvelous little book called Make a list. And she writes that knowing what you want isn't as simple or obvious a matter as it might seem. You might fall into a restless, itchy state of discontent or a vague, unspecified wanting during which you find yourself musing in front of an open refrigerator or a closet or door wondering what satisfaction might look like. And she should suggest making lists that help you separate your fleeting short-term goals from your long-term yearnings. She says, make a list for things I've begun wanting recently, things I've wanted for the last five minutes, things I've wanted for more than five years. And I love this one, things I'd like to stop wanting. I did that, I took a stab at it, I found it revelatory Things I thought were super important turned out to be, well, not so important upon closer examination. And most people, I'm guessing, if you ask them, what are you looking for, they'd just stare at you. Maybe blink a couple of times, look away. I'm guessing most people don't know what they're looking for. I think back to the pivotal moments in my life, like the year I decided to apply for law school. If you'd asked me back then, Daniel, what are you looking for? I would have said, a job. I need to pay off my student loans. I want to live in a house someday that I own. I want a nice car. That's what I'm looking for. And those are wonderful things to want, to find things to look for. But Jesus didn't come so we could be debt-free and have nice cars and take vacations. Jesus came so that we might have life eternal, forgiveness of sin a new way of just living and loving relationship with God and neighbor. Jesus held out his hand to the whole world who was desperately searching for meaning, looking for something, and he said, come, follow me. So what are you looking for this morning? Well, there are a million answers. Most of the time, we are living in one or more of the answers, but there is only one answer that will change your life forever. Imagine with me that you took a step like those disciples of John took, that they didn't have it all figured out. They had more questions than answers. They didn't know what would happen tomorrow, but they knew this. They were in the presence of the living God. So imagine you decided to seek God's presence. Imagine further with me that you wanted to know, just like the disciples asked, where Jesus was staying. Because you didn't just want to check off a box that you believed and get on with your day. You actually wanted to be with Jesus. Jesus is saying to you, abide in me as I abide in you. Imagine further that the longer you live in the presence of Jesus, all the things you thought you wanted in life, all the things you believed you were looking for, were no longer so important. And maybe King was right. Maybe we are called up in an inescapable network of mutuality. Maybe our division is not final. Maybe our politics of rage can be transcended. Maybe there is more to life than pursuing our wealth and self-aggrandizement. Maybe how we treat and love our neighbor tells our neighbor what kind of God we worship. Maybe if we're looking for Jesus, our life will be transformed forever. That is the power of and the indescribable beauty of the gospel, that the God of the universe cares enough to abide with us, and if we open ourselves, we may abide in God. Maybe it's Jesus we've been looking for all along. May it be so now, in this place, and in your life. This is the time of the service where we give you all an opportunity to respond to the word that you've heard. We'll sing a hymn together. It is hymn 298, Come Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove. And may the Holy Spirit come and inflame and enrich your hearts as we sing hymn 298, and we'll stand as we sing.
4: shall we with fresh courage go to reach eternal joys. Awake our souls to joyful songs. Let pure devotion rise till praise and out for
0: are a guest with us today we welcome you and we invite you to fill out the piece of information that's on the edge of your order of worship you can drop it in the offering plate that'll be coming around in a moment love to visit with you and learn more about you and also if you have a prayer concern you can also write that on the flip side of the same piece of paper drop it in the offering plate it'd be our privilege to pray for you during our staff meeting on Tuesday I want to bring a few concerns and celebrations and announcements to you First, some announcements. Uh, there'll be church council this week. It'll be on Tuesday evening, not Monday, because of the, the Martin Luther King holiday. Next Sunday, a week from today, is our Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl, as in I'm eating soup. A great tradition. We invite you to come with your fabulous uh, soup recipes. Well, not just a recipe, bring the soup. <laughs> That'd be better, right? And we'll take up donations. That goes uh, to benefit our Hunger Fund. Uh, That's a great tradition every year. And we'll also have a church and conference uh, during the Super Bowl Sunday where we'll prove uh, the budget uh, that was passed last year. Hopefully we'll prove that. Last week, uh, there was a dedication I wanted to tell you about of the Larry L. Prince Chaplaincy Program at the the Shepherd Center. Uh, Sandra Prince invited uh, James and I to be a part of this and James because he was in Louisiana couldn't be there but he wrote some beautiful words and I if you want to read them if you haven't already I printed them in both sections of the narthex to grab you as you go uh, there's also some information back there about that chaplaincy program that's been created in honor of Larry Prince and what a, what a delightful way of continuing his legacy so check that out Virginia Gilbert, I want to highlight some of the work that she's been doing with Moms Demand Action. They visited the Capitol last week and met with legislators. And tomorrow, they'll be packing meals at Vinings United Methodist Church as part of a day of service on Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. From 12 to 3 at Vinings United Methodist Church, if you'd like to join and pack meals with Virginia Gilbert and the Moms Demand Action, join them there. We have several prayer concerns I want to bring you this morning, first for Muriel Hardy, Valerie Hardy's mother, um, she continues to struggle and her health continues to decline. And as Valerie gives care to her, these are tough times, so we pray for them. Pray for Clay Manley, who suffered a very serious fall and was transferred yesterday to Emory Hospital. However, some good news from Teresa this morning that uh, he was much more lucid in his conversation and they're hoping to transfer him to a rehab facility tomorrow to be praying for the, the Manly family. You all bring your own prayers. Mine is for peace in the world and peace in each of your hearts. Let's continue our worship with music from the Sanctuary Choir. God, we give you thanks that we have found what we were looking for, and there's none other than you. We thank you for being in our presence at this very moment. May you fill our lives with peace and passion to go out and do good in the world, and to love neighbor and love you, and may you use these gifts and benefit of that just vision. In Christ's name, amen. depart now in the fellowship of God the Father and as you go remember in the goodness of God you were born into this world. By the grace of God you have been kept all the day long even until this hour and by the love of God fully revealed in the face of Jesus you are being redeemed. Amen.